What do you do when you know you're going to be in a conversation that could involve uh, addressing a conflict? Conflict's not a bad thing, but I'm going to share you with you today the three things that I do before any conflict conversation. Hi, this is Kirk Kinnear. I'm here to support leaders that know what it feels like to carry that heavy burden, who care about their staff and want to make an impact in the organizations they're leading. My commitment to you as a current leader is to give you company and to bring you to a place of leading lightly. Before we get started, do you remember the list of 10 from yesterday? What was number seven? It was Apple. What was number eight? Do you remember this? Those bananas, the hinges of the gate, all of those mental strategies, keep exercising them. They will help you in the long run. Even though this was just a simple little grocery list, you will learn how to memorize anything if you put your mind to it. Your brain is really good. We're just not really taught how to file things away properly. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. That was uh, the previous episode. I think it was episode 38 on how to teach somebody how to memorize or just how you can memorize those 10 items. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, conflict. Man, I uh, I actually don't mind conflict. It tires me out, but it's something that I don't mind. If anything, I appreciate it. And before we get into it, I, I think it's really important to explain why conflict is so important and why Perhaps our perspective on it is is not necessarily that good. I see a lot of people who avoid conflict, and it often comes at the cost of everyone else who's trying to deal with the problems because someone's not dealing with the issue. So um, before we get started into the conflict, I thought I would share a couple things that have really changed my perspective on conflict. Number one, well, uh, is that Conflict often happens because two people care about an issue. Now, if you have that perspective and you go into a meeting, it makes it a lot easier to be able to address the issue because often people are amped up or excited about something because they actually care about it. That's a good thing. Uh, the, the conflicts where people don't care, they aren't going to be that heated anyways. People are going to go down the same paths they are much easier to address. But those big conflicts that uh, people are really passionate about, I've had meetings with my team where people are almost yelling at each other over good ideas or bad ideas, not at each other for being each other, but at each other for fighting for what they thought was the best idea for the organization. That's a, that's a big distinction. You shouldn't mix the two up. It, you have to be very careful that people aren't attacking each other. They're attacking ideas so that they can move forward. As long as everyone's trying to move forward, it's not a bad conflict. This conflict caught me off guard. I'd come home from work and my son walked up to me. I picked him up from school and I was walking back with him and he said, I think my teacher, he was in grade two or three. He said, I think my teacher is bullying a kid in my school. Now, first of all, bullying seems like something that's being used a lot. People talk about bullying all the time, except for being bullied online, where it seems like the best bullies uh, sometimes get their voice. But um, we, he, he basically thought his teacher was treating this um, child unfairly. Now, thinking about this as a parent, my first instinct is to say, Oh, I got to go talk to that teacher. That's wrong. I want to deal with that. But that's not my goal as a parent. My mom always said, you know, uh, growing up, she's like, it's, it's a parent's job to teach a kid how to fly. 
to, to be able to push them out of the nest and let them succeed. And uh, in our family, you know, like uh, my brother is a real close friend of mine. He tries things. He is very successful because he doesn't give up. He just keeps trying new things. So he's learning how to do that flight. And that's the goal of a, a parent. It's not to pave the road for the kids ahead. It's to build the kids for the road ahead. That perspective I have ingrained in my life. I think as a parent, it's really easy. And actually, as an employer, it's really easy to try and set up the road ahead. But the most important thing you need to do is you need to manage your people in a way that they can handle any road ahead. Uh, you know you're successful in leadership. Uh, I think now, um, now, now discover your strengths. Or no, this would have been... Um, another book, but they, they basically good to great talks about how it's very important for organizations to thrive after a leader leaves, not just while they're there. And they had a few examples of that. So if you're thinking about your role, your role is to mentor coach and strengthen your team. Because you can't play all the instruments, you are the conductor of all of the instruments playing together. And you have to teach people how to play together and how to move forward. So in this situation, despite my parent uh, Papa Bear mode, where I really did want to just turn around and go talk to this teacher, I thought about it for quite a bit. I wrestled with myself because I really wanted to step up. This is just a little three grade two or grade three kid that's uh, um, getting mistreated. And when I asked my son to describe the situation, from his perspective, it didn't look that good. So I thought a lot about this. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to teach him my strategy, which I'm going to talk to you about is my three mental fitness exercises before addressing uh, concern that could turn into a conflict. So I, I talked to him and I said, Well, first of all, I'm really sorry this happened. You have to deal with the emotions in the situation because people get hijacked by their emotions. So then they can't rationalize a solution. So I addressed his emotions. These are all tips that I've learned over years of going through good and bad conflicts, dealing with them properly and incorrectly. But the first thing was I addressed his emotions and he sniffled a little bit. He felt really angry and really sad. So we addressed that. Then the second piece was I told him, uh, what was it going to look like if you address this issue with your teacher? And he's like, well, I was just going to put my hand up and talk to her. I said, well, would that put her in a situation where she would be comfortable and willing to work with you on it? He's like, well, probably not. And this is just a grade three kid saying, oh, probably not. He's like, it would probably hurt her feelings to be told this in front of all the other kids. So I was like, so how would you do it? So he he described the best way. And I said, what would the chair look like? Like, what would this scenario look like? And he painted the picture of what this conflict or this potential conflict would look like. And he felt much more prepared. And this is something everyone needs to do. Who, where are you going to be? Are you going to have dealt with the halts? Are you hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or stressed? Are, are, have, you, are, have you set yourself up for a good conflict, a good addressing of an issue? And what's the environment going to look like? Are you doing it online, on the phone? Or are you going to be walking? Are you going to be sitting? Visualize that. And he did that. He had it all figured out. Then I said, so now you've got this. How are you going to say it? And he walked through like how he'd like to address it. And we talked about some of the finer 
notes on saying what you see, not uh, implying what it means. So he saw this, not I think you're being this way. And we walk through this and he, this is a little grade two kid, grade three kid. He can do this and we can all do this. We're just often not taught how to do this. So now he's got the picture painted. He knows where and when and how to address the issue. And I used to think that was it. And I used to get my teeth kicked out <laughs> by unexpected responses. So I added a third layer and that's what this is all about. So. The first thing is, how can your uh, the person you're addressing this issue respond? And I asked him, I was like, what, what can your teacher be? And he's like, hmm, well, she could be really angry. Because whenever you think about conflict, you always think of the worst case scenario, especially if your mindset's a little bit off. And for him, he'd never really addressed a conflict like this. And now he's doing this to me, which drives me nuts sometimes. But I totally respect him because he's learning the tools and he's using them. So he he says, well, it could be pretty angry. I was like, okay, that's good. Fair. And what would, what would this teacher do if she was angry? And he laid it all out. Okay, are you willing to accept this response? And he thought about it for a bit. He's like, yeah, I am. Is this issue worth dealing with this potential response? Yes, it is. Okay. Next one. How else could she respond? Well, a young child would definitely say she could be happy. I was like, okay. So what would that look like? She'd thank me. She would say all these things. Um, she'd say, yeah, she was having a bad day or whatever. And she's really appreciates you coming and bringing the issue to her. And da, da, da. And he talks through this. I was like, okay, so you're sitting there and she gives you this response. That is, how would that make you feel? And he's like, oh, that would be awesome. He says it would validate that what I saw was right, but it would also allow me to, you know, talk about this with this person and we can move forward together because that's what we always talk about is finding a way forward together. It's not an or, it's an and. You can deal with a conflict and you can move forward. Oh, I hate when people use or all the time. It's It's the most divisive way of dealing with conflict. So he's got and in his conversation, not or. So he was excited about that. Then finally, he thought that was it. You can be happy or sad. And that's what I used to prepare for. So over over a decade of dealing with conflict or a decade and a half of a lot of conflicts, I used to always think there was happy and sad. But eventually I got hammered by a response I never expected. And I never prepared for myself. I never was prepared for this response. And that was the final response is the meh response, the indifferent response. Don't say anything. Don't smile. Don't frown. Don't do nothing. And just stare at you. I have had this happen a few times. It's a very difficult response. So I said, what if she just does nothing? She just sits there and looks at you. He's like, oh. That would be weird. I was like, I know I've been in those conversations where people didn't respond at all. They were in re unresponsive. They just sat there. And uh, so he thought about that and visualized sitting there with her in this environment. And she just sat there. And I was like, well, how about that? He's like, okay, that's weird. But yeah, I can, I can handle that. So now he's visualized the three typical responses. There may be some more. If the better you get at profiling, uh, individuals responses and kind of building that human mental cocktail where you know what you put in and what's going to come out 
Uh, you'll get better and better at this. It, it takes effort, though. It's kind of like this memorizing thing. You got to just keep toning this muscle in your brain and you will learn how to do it very well. So he went through all three of those. The next morning, I was nervous as all get out. I still wanted to be Papa Bear. I still wanted to step in, but I promised myself as a parent I would pave or build my kids for the road instead of build the road for my kids. So here I am marching my little grade two or grade three kid off to school. And uh, he's marching in. And I was like, are you good? He's like, I'm good. He's like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm good. So he goes to school. Yeah, I can tell you all day I was thinking about this because, you know, this is his first real addressing conflict. It's such an exciting moment for him in his life. So he he goes to school. I pick him up right after school. I waited at the bell. I remember biking home in a hurry, trying to get there in time. He walks out and he walks up to me straight faced. He didn't smile. He didn't frown. He didn't cry. He nothing. He just stared and walked up to me. And I was like, oh, Liam, how was your day? He's like, oh, it was it was good. It was a good day. And I was like, oh, and uh, did you end up talking to your teacher? And he's like, yeah, I did, Dad. I sat in the chair that I talked about. I sat in the corner of the room when no one else was watching, and I addressed the issue in this way. And he's like, and I didn't even say what I thought it meant. I just said what I saw and my concerns with it. And the teacher responded. I was like, how did she respond? I was, I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, how did she respond to it? And he said, she gave me the good response, Dad. He's like, I was ready for all of them, but she gave me the great response. And she changed her behavior and she explained a little bit of what happened. And thankfully, those tools worked for him. Worked for a grade two kid to walk into a conflict with the confidence that we all need in order to move this world forward and make this world a better place. He had those tools and he used them. And for that, he made that school a little bit better. And I was so proud of him. Thanks for listening. If you liked it, remember to subscribe. If you know other leaders who could benefit from leading lightly, feel free to share. For more resources, visit our website at leadinglightly.com.